Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast. This is your host, AJ. And while I'm recording right now, I've got the TikTok family live over here. All of them are uh, watching as we're recording this fifth part of a miniseries, Who Is This Jesus? Maybe you're listening and this is the first episode you've caught of this series and you're thinking, well, now wait a minute, part five, what about parts one through four? Well, good news. As they say, anything that you put up on the internet never goes away. That sometimes is good news, sometimes is bad. (laughs) But in this instance, it's great news because you can go to the previous episodes on the Faith for My Generation podcast, wherever you're listening, and you can see the first four parts. We looked at in this series, just as a quick recap, because it's been a few weeks since we've touched on it, but we looked at the first four instances of this statement when Jesus said, I am. He said that I am the bread of life. John chapter 6. Jesus said that I am the light of the world. John chapter 8. And in John chapter 10, he made two I am statements. He said, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. So now we're going to move along in chronological order to John chapter 11, where Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. Now, again, just to recap, why are we even looking at this? If you go to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, I was reminded of this a few weeks ago when I was watching the, uh, what is it, Prince of Egypt? It's like 21-year-old movie now. I think it was done by DreamWorks, but man, is it such a good movie. We actually watched a few weeks later after that, uh, Joseph, uh, King of Dreams, I think is what it's called. It was also DreamWorks. Man, I'd never seen the Joseph movie. I'd seen the Prince of Egypt movie before, and it was really great, but... The Joseph movie I'd never seen before. And man, was it so good. Anyway, so I was reminded of this statement uh, just a few weeks ago. And so let's look at it. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Well, verse 13. Moses encounters God in the burning bush. And God tells Moses, he commissions, commissions him, go to Egypt and free my people. I want you to go to Egypt and set them free from bondage. And I'm going to give you my power. I'm going to give you my hand to set them free. And then Moses makes this point in verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This is what makes these statements so powerful. When Jesus speaks to these Jewish folks in Israel and anyone listening, and he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. The people that are hearing this, they know exactly what he's make what statement he's making. He is making a very simple but extremely bold statement 
I am God. They knew the great I am, but they knew him as creator. They knew him as king of Israel. They had never encountered him as God the Father. And now they're seeing this man who some say, well, you know, he's the Messiah. He must be. He moves in miracle power. But then some, they, they're, ups, they're afraid that he's going to upset their religious system and tradition. And then he begins to make these statements that makes himself equal to God, to Jehovah, which, of course, Jesus is God. We serve the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, a holy trinity. It's a mysterious thing, yet simple, but boggles the natural mind. But we can see it clearly through Scripture. And so this really, really upsets the religious order of the day. But Jesus is God. He is Lord. And if you've made him Lord, that's how you've received salvation. So let's read John chapter 11. We come up to verse 28. Or excuse me, verse 17 is where I want to begin. John 11 verse 17. At verse 17, we have one of Jesus' very good friends, Lazarus, has died. Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick. Of course, he's friends with Lazarus and, of course, Martha and Mary, Lazarus' sisters. They're close friends. And Martha and Mary, we're going to see, believe in Jesus. And they have, a, they have faith in Jesus to a degree. And Jesus is going to confront that limited faith and, it, and give them his word so that they can believe at a higher level. You know, that's a very real reality about the word of God. The more of God's word you get in your heart and in your mind, the greater level of faith you can have. Pastor Lester Summerall, he's now in heaven. He would say this, your faith is directly limited to your knowledge. You can't have faith for what you don't believe in. It's impossible. You cannot believe in something that you don't know about. You must believe. You be, and someone just said on, on TikTok, there's no verse to prove that. God point blank said in Habakkuk, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. And the Old Testament prophet, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, not a lack of spiritual zeal, not, a, not for a lack of compassion, not for a lack of love, not for a lack of action. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. And what you know is the limiting factor of what you can have faith for. 2 Corinthians 1 tells us, in fact, I'll read it. Let's go ahead and read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We did a wake-up call on this not too long ago. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Many of you, when I begin to read it, you're going to know it by heart. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. For all the promises of God... In Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen. But how do you know the promises of God? Go one verse above it, verse 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached, proclaimed, among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in Him was yes. This is what's necessary for people to hear and believe. Uh, let's keep going. Romans chapter 10. 
Romans chapter 10, understand this. Your knowledge is the direct limiting factor to your faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So the only way someone can call on the name of the Lord is to believe. But they can't believe unless they hear. And so there's the process of faith. You've got to hear first. (laughs) Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The knowledge you have of anything will directly limit or release your faith. And the more you fill your heart and mind with the word of God, and I'm encouraging you to you know, listen to these, these episodes, Who is This Jesus series, over and over again, because the more you understand who Jesus is, you'll see and have faith to see him work in your life like never before. So John 11, verse 17, at this point, Lazarus is dead. Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, but he doesn't leave until a few days later. And in this particular instance, it was for a working of the miracle. Verse 4, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick and dying, he said, this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. In this particular instance, it was going to be a time where Jesus was going to manifest the power of God that many might believe and see the power of God. So even though Lazarus did die, and they waited four days, you might think, well, why four days? According to Jewish tradition, the Spirit, not the Bible, but Jewish tradition, the Jews believed that the spirit of a person hovered around their body for three days. But after three days, that's it. They're they're really dead. It was basically confirmation. Um, I'll tell you a story of my grandfather. My grandfather, who was born in 1929, who lived in the hills of Tennessee, mountain man. He lived in a small little uh, town just a small little community that had been built up around a sawmill. My great-grandfather, Zach, Zachariah, he built this sawmill, and him and his family of 13 children and about a dozen other families worked this sawmill, and they'd cut down these massive trees. My grandfather has a picture of, of two men sitting. You've probably seen it. It's not the only picture that I've seen like it, but these massive trees that you could put a cross-cut saw through it and it'd be nine, ten foot in diameter, just massive trees. And they would cut these trees down, and they would turn them into lumber so people could build houses and build cities and build buildings. And he had an uncle that passed away. This is his words. This is what he told me. So you take it uh, as Ripley's Believe It or Not would say. Believe it or not. This is what he told me. He said, A.J., my uncle, he passed away. We built the coffin for him, you know, meager means, did everything by hand. The coffin probably was better. If they built it by hand, it's probably better than the coffin you can buy today, honestly. <laughs> they built it by hand. They laid his uncle to rest, and they had a wake. Of course, again, this is in the early 
1930s. And so they just put the man, their uncle, in the in the coffin, and they had a wake in that front room of their house. They only had a couple rooms in the house. And so family would give time, family time to travel and come visit so that they could be part of the funeral ceremony. And as they're all just grieving and they're uh, talking to one another, the uncle who's dead sits up. <laughs> sits up in the coffin and asks, can I have some, I said, I'm not asked. He says, I'm thirsty. Someone gets him a glass of water. He drinks it and then lays back down. That's what he said. I know that sounds outrageous and outlandish, but that's what he said. I always think of that story every time I read this because there's many cultures. In fact, every culture on the planet believes that when you die, that's not the end. Now, they may have twisted, satanic versions of it, but anybody with a couple brain cells to rub together, they know in, the, in their heart that when you die, it's not over. There's something after this life. And some believe that, well, and some cultures believed in the possibility of resurrection. But the Jews said after three days, that's it. It's over. So Jesus waits four days. He makes sure he's good and dead. So we get to verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles. So it's not far away at all. Verse 19. And many of the Jews had joined... Excuse me. And many of the Jews had joined around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it. He will give you. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. Verse 28, and when Jesus had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house, comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came, where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been there, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned Jesus in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Shortest verse in the entire Bible. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. 
Then Jesus said, See how he loved, excuse me, and the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was, dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that, I've, that you have sent me. Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. So we have this account of when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus makes this fifth statement that we're looking at in this series of I Am statements. He says, I am, verse 25, the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Of course, he's talking about eternal life. Though our physical body may breathe its last breath on this earth and be laid to rest, if you have faith in Jesus, you have been made alive and you will never die. You will never die. Now this death, understand in Scripture there's three types of death. There is natural death when the body, as I mentioned, the physical body ceases to live. There is separation from God when we commit sin. Sin separates us from God. In the book of Psalms, it says God does not hear our prayers because of our sins, so we must repent of them. Then thirdly, there's the second death, which is spiritual death, eternal death, in a place called hell. That's the third death. That's when we have died and been separated from Christ, from God for all of eternity. People that are dead in sins, as Ephesians 2 would tell us, just as you and I, we were dead in sin, but when we believed in Jesus and we encountered the resurrection of life, we were made alive in Him. So though we were dead in sin, we have been made alive. In fact, let me read that. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's see, I'm going to have to look at it. It's a few verses in, I believe. Ephesians chapter 2. I think it's near verse 4. Okay, verse 1. In you... He made alive. In fact, wherever you're listening, wherever you're listening right now, just say this out loud. Say, Jesus has made me alive. Jesus has made me alive. Someone commented on TikTok, outside of Jesus Christ, we're the walking dead. That's exactly right. That's good. Jesus has made me alive. Ephesians 2.1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. 
Verse 3, among whom also we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. So when Jesus is making this point, when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, if you believe in me, though you may die, you'll live, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You might think, well, Jesus is contradicting himself. He's talking about two different deaths, and two different, and he's talking about two different deaths here. Though you may physically die, you will never spiritually die. Because once you've believed on Jesus, you've been made alive. Now, let's think about the opposite of that. If you don't believe in Jesus, and Jesus is not your Lord, you're already dead. Your lungs may pump air. Your eyes may see. You may be able to go and do and move and talk and live and, and breathe, but spiritually, you're dead. Spiritually, you're dead. Before I believed on Jesus... I was spiritually dead. But when I encountered the resurrection and the life, I was made alive. When I believed on Jesus, when you believed on Jesus, you were made alive. You were made alive. The moment you believed on Jesus, you became alive and alive forevermore. Now, how did you become alive? How did you become alive? John 10, verse 10. The thief comes not except to steal and to kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. When you encountered Jesus, the resurrection and the life, he gave you his life. And he gave it to you in abundance. Not without, without restraint. When the resurrection, when you encountered Jesus, the resurrection and the life, you encountered the source of life. You encountered He who is life. Jesus doesn't just make people alive, Jesus is life. And when you believe on Him, He indwells in you, and you're made alive. It's just like. Is it Proverbs? Um, hold on, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna use the Almighty Commentator, the best commentary there is available right now to search. It's called Google. <laughs> Let's see Proverbs, name of the Lord, strong tower. Let's see what I got? Proverbs eighteen ten. There we go. Proverbs chapter eighteen verse ten. We sanctify Google to use it. <laughs> Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. God is our salvation, and his name is a strong tower. See, when you believe on Jesus, when you believe on Jesus, when you have faith in him, in his name, I just read that. I, I, just, I just was reading that earlier today in my, in my study, Acts chapter 10. Uh, verse 43, to him all the prophets witnessed that through his name, 
Whoever believes in him will receive remission of his sins. Well, Proverbs 18.10 tells us the name of the Lord is a strong tower. So the name of the Lord is not just a word to be pronounced. The name of Jesus is not just a name to be said. It is the vessel that holds the power of God. It's kind of like your car. You're not your car. You ride in your car. And your car takes you places. The name of Jesus is not just a word. It is the carrier, the vehicle that carries the word of that carries the power of God. And when you have faith in the name, you you receive remission of sins, you receive salvation. Because God is salvation. God is salvation. So when you encounter God, it's not that you're being saved. It's you, you've encountered the one who is salvation. God is salvation. And you encounter the one who saves. That's why we can believe on Jesus and be saved. Not because it's what God does, though God does save. Hear me out here. It's, it's a little bit deeper understanding. It's not that just God does the action of saving. It's that God is salvation. And in, in order for you to encounter him, you will encounter salvation. It's just who he is. It's just what Jesus does. He is salvation. And so when you encounter him and receive him, you receive who he is. Jesus is the healer. So when you, it's not that Jesus, Jesus does heal, but it's not that he's just healing and doing the action of healing. It's that he is health. He is the healer. It's who he is. And we see that you, can, you could get that same revelation concerning healing in, in John eleven twenty five. 25. You need healing in your body? Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. What is, what's, what is the full culmination or fruition of sickness and disease? It's death. If sickness and disease attaches itself in my body and it goes unchecked, if there's cancer and it goes unchecked and it runs out its course, it will it will, will kill me. If sickness and disease runs out its course in me, it will end in death. But when you encounter Jesus, you encounter life. And so have faith in this. If you believe on Jesus and he's indwelling in you, he who is life is making you alive. We read Ephesians 2. He has made us alive. Though we were dead in sin, He's made us alive. Now, there's a couple other things I want you to see in this. This is just His nature of who He is. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Revelation 1, 18. Got a phone ringing over here in the background. I apologize about that. Revelation 1, 18, Jesus says this. I am He who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of death and hell. Jesus said, I'm the one who lives, was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Well, we can see that right there. The, the, when, when Christ came to the earth, he was born of a virgin. He lived his life sinless on the earth. Yet he died on the cross for the sins of the world. 
and then he was resurrected unto Christ, uh, unto God. He was resurrected by the power of God. He was alive, he died, and he's alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and of death. I have the keys of hell and death. He who is the resurrection in life has the keys of death and hell. So think about that. Christ in you, he who was alive, died, and is alive forevermore, he has the keys, the authority over hell and the grave. And that means anything that Satan tries to attack you with from his realm of, the, of hell or the grave cannot successfully come against you. Because he who has the keys, keys are a representation of authority. Christ has authority over hell and the grave. Christ has authority and gives you power and authority to live in his life. It's, it's, I want to say, I want to say this, it's so much more than eternal life, but really when you stop and think about it, when you receive eternal life, you've received the substance. You've received the very nature of God. We naturally, we delineate and make things different in our minds. But in God's mind, He doesn't doesn't see, for instance, healing for the body different or apart from salvation from sin. In the mind of God, He doesn't see salvation from sin as something separate, separate from provision and meeting your needs. Because as we mentioned two episodes ago, Jesus is the open, he's the open door. Everything you're going to receive from God, you receive by way of Christ. And when you believe on Jesus, you've now entered into, Jesus said, I am the door. You've entered into the things of God by Christ. You don't get anything from God unless you enter in through Christ Jesus, unless you walk through the door of Christ by faith. And it's the same way when you receive him who is resurrection and life, you receive everything that is in life, health for the body, provision for your needs, peace for your mind, blessing in your marriage, uh, long life and protection for yourself and for your children in your family, good success in your life. You receive everything that is good, everything that is fullness of life. I've come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. I've come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. Now, Romans chapter 4, verse 17. I want you to see this. Romans 4, verse 17. Romans 4, verse 17. As it's written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God. I'm referring to Abraham who believed in God. Who gives life to the dead. And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope, verse 18, Romans 4.18, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, Abraham did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, 
but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Being fully convinced that what God had promised, God was able to perform. This is just the nature of God. He calls those things that are dead. He calls those things that do not exist as though they were. He gives life to the dead. And when you believe on Jesus and Jesus is indwelling in you, you have the life of God. And that means he's calling that which was dead in your life, he's calling it to life. Maybe you've got a dream. You've got a call that needs to be resurrected. Maybe there's something the Lord put on your heart that you're supposed to be doing, but you've yet to take action on it. And he wants to resurrect that thing. He wants to resurrect that calling. He wants to resurrect resurrect that God-given dream. Let him who is life empower that dream, empower that heavenly call. Maybe you've got a relationship, a marriage. Maybe you're believing for your children to be saved or your parents to be saved or a brother or sister to come to the Lord. Let the Lord call that dead relationship to life. Have faith in the one who is life. Begin to pray and intercede and believe God to see a change and a turnaround in that impossible situation. That which is impossible with man, let God, who all things are possible for, resurrect that situation and bring life to that situation. Because that's what God does. He brings life to the dead. He brings life to the dead. It's just what He does. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection and life. I want to encourage you, commit that to memory. You might think, well, you know, memorizing uh, Scripture, that's kind of like a, almost like a, a, a homework or a task to do. It is. But hide it in your heart. The Word of God says when we hide His words in our heart, we won't sin against Him. Commit that to memory. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And know this. When you encounter the one who is alive, who has died, and is alive forevermore, who holds the keys of hell and the grave, when you encounter the one who gives, de- who gives life to that which is dead and calls those things that be not as though they were, when you encounter the one who is life, you're going to be made alive and made alive in every area of your life in every way, in every form, in every fashion, spiritually, soulishly, and physically. Hey, I'm thankful that you joined me here on the Faith for My Generation podcast. Keep your ears open and your notifications on because we're going to be finishing up this series not too long from now. We've got two more episodes of this mini-series, Who Is This Jesus? We're going to pick up next week. Next week, of course, on Mondays, we've got a brand new wake-up call for you every Monday. And next Friday, we will have part six of this series, Who Is This Jesus? Give you a little sneak peek. We're going to look at John 14, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so that's what we'll look at next Friday. Hey, I'm so thankful for you. And remember, we are the faithful. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, 
And every Thursday, I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.